your talk show for all things automotive. From the latest news to the greatest views and the biggest names in rolling iron. Your host is Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com and owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars. Get behind the wheel of an hour of car talk starting right now. Welcome to the Driven Radio Show. I'm Brett Hatfield. I'm here with my co-host, Catfish Groves. Woo! And there's a ton of stuff going on. Oh, geez, yeah. Uh, got some great news coming up here about the Corvette. Maybe I'll get to see the new one soon. <laughs> it's, and, it's like Christmas some more. And also, with wheels. have the really weird barn find of the week. So let's get into it. Well, you know, we got we have an extra guest here in the studio. This is true. Uh, I am sorry. I'm remiss. Joined as a test drive co-host, we've got Amanda Gowdy from here in the Kansas City area. Uh, Amanda, welcome to uh, The Driven. Thank you. Now, we, uh, uh, as we uh, kind of looking around, because Catfish is going to go for a swim, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of stepping back. And as I do that, uh, there's there's got to be somebody to fill these terrifically clumsy, slightly stupid shoes and do it better than I do. I didn't want to say anything. Well, you know, <laughs> it was in the eyes. It was all in the eyes. <laughs> so um, Amanda is coming to uh, kind of check out what we do. And- hey, did you bring all the sharp sticks to poker? Oh, yeah. Terrific. <laughs> it's going yeah, to be like s'mores. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda Gowdy, uh, tell us about uh, working with your dad. Well, when I was growing up, my dad would make me tear apart cars with him and rebuild them. What kind of cars? Tell, tell I, I got to know because if if Dad's going to take his his pretty little girl out and say, "Okay, we're we're going to tear this thing apart," and you're going to help Sunshine, I'm guessing he didn't believe in manicures. He was grease under the nails is good enough. Well, I think he was just trying to keep me away from the boys. Really? <laughs> By introducing you to cars? Yeah. That ain't going to work. He, I don't think he was thinking about the long term. <laughs> Ladies effects. and gentlemen, welcome to the word backfire. Right? Yeah, no kidding. It's not just in your carburetor it's anymore. It's not a pun either. <laughs> no, um, he would have me, he had me help him with a F100. I don't remember what year, but I was mad because I couldn't go to my friend's house. Hey, Ford truck girl, that's good enough, man. Yeah, we're... That you've got a good start there. Now, how deep did he make you go? I mean, did you were you there? down to the frame? <gasps> no, so you're under there with wrenches and this is and that's and helping him tear stuff off, and- mostly handing him tools and throwing a fit. But yeah, <laughs> as a good daughter should. <laughs> See, now, now uh, did he teach you any uh, decent curse curse words or uh, creative ones? No, no, no. Oh. He didn't want me to use them on him, I think. So oh, he... well, what a nice dad. <laughs> well, my dad, you mostly used them on me, so that's what I learned. <laughs> yeah, they were usually describing me, not the car. So, oh, yeah. you know, you poor stupid, and then it just went on for there. Thanks, Pops. Yeah, well, until I was 13, thought my name was Damn It. Well, I have to admit, Dad did at least help me do the brakes on that 55 Plymouth. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh, I didn't know how to bleed brakes. And it was kind of like, you know, you'd push down, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you're at the floor. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm not stopping yet. Right. <laughs> My dad was more, uh, hey, I'll stand here and watch you do that wrong. And then when it falls on your foot, I'll laugh. <laughs> yeah, that was my dad, too. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> so did you eventually get into kind of wrenching and working on stuff yourself, Amanda? Yeah, actually, um, I was with a, some a group of friends 
probably about four years ago, and they did racing on Manchester. <laughs> so, so we've heard. Allegedly. We Allegedly. can neither confirm nor deny that Amanda was involved in that. I mean, I just know what they did, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 may, you were there as an observer. Not on even that. So what that, did uh, what did you maybe or maybe not work on? Every day we were in the garage under the hood of a Honda. Nice. Yeah. Oh, how fun. You know, Hondas and uh, little... Uh, Nissans and this and that. Nissans and Toyotas. And that is this generation's muscle car. Oh, dude. Rising sun is rising fun. Oh, that's so absolutely it, uh, right. Couldn't have said uh, it any better. Nice. So, okay, cool. You've got some car creds behind you. We're going to check out what's happening outside in the world. Get your brain in gear for what's going on. Time for What's News on the Driven Radio Show. I might get a chance to see the new Corvette soon. Okay, now, how does that work? Okay. Well, it, it here's here's what we've been dealing with. They were going to roll it out at Detroit, North American Auto, uh, International Auto Show. Right. And then they weren't. They said they were having electrical system problems. It might be out this summer. Oh, is it made in Britain? Uh, <laughs> I don't think Lucas has anything to do with this this time. <laughs> then they were saying maybe April at New York. Yeah. And then, no, it was going to be late this summer. Uh-huh. And now on a website uh, called Corvette Forum, one of the posters there who says he's got an inside line into General mm-hmm. Motors, mm-hmm. and they say this guy's been accurate on some stuff before that he's called out, is saying they're going to roll it out January 14th, just before the North American International Auto Show starts. It's going to be Chevy's big trump card for everything. Ooh. So that's what we're being told. Now, it's not a Ford F-100, mind you. Dad might not be able to work on it, Amanda. Oh, you he know, could it, work on it. Yeah. <laughs> I got. I, we keep coming back to Corvette nerd, Corvette nerd, Corvette nerd. Cause, well, it, it's your baby. I yeah. mean, come on, man. And it's your show, so <laughs> guess what you get to talk about. Well, for a minute, I'm going to talk about this. Winning. But we still don't know. <laughs> Still don't know if we're talking about that 5.5 liter LT that, they, that they've teased, if it's going to be naturally aspirated, if it's going to be turbocharged, supercharged. We don't know. We don't know yet, and it remains to be seen if this is accurate. This guy says he's got the inside line. He's been accurate before, but it's kind of a wait and see. I'm just very hopeful. Well, you know, if you can get people like uh, us talking about it. Well, absolutely. Yeah, building up the excitement. And then the other thing I found... Weird barn find of the week. I love barn find. I get their uh, their little emails every day, and I'm like, oh, what'd you find out? Oh, what'd you find out? Oh, what'd you find out? I get them, too, and then you send me the weird stuff you saw, yeah. and I think that's the same thing I saw. <laughs> oh, hell, I'm finding it on uh, Marketplace. If you go to our Facebook page for the Driven uh, Driven Radio Show, it... Uh, every weird Mopar in a five-state radius. Although, you gotta give me some cred. I did put up a Datsun 240Z. That was cool, and I Great think that lines. wouldn't have been a bad buy for 500 bucks oh, for 500 bucks yeah i mean that could be a doorknob no honest <laughs> to god because those things restored now do bring some jack uh weird barn find of the week in a bulgarian warehouse they uh somebody found 11 brand new late 1980s and mid 1990s five series bmws oh wow my and they're all the entry level 520-525, which is a two liter to two and a half liter inline six. None of the bad boy M5 performance versions. Right. Uh, it looked like maybe it was for a fleet, 
that somebody was putting together for rental cars or a taxi fleet or something like that. Uh, all very low miles, but the the really strange twist on this yeah. is the BMW dealer these were purchased from has been maintaining them. <laughs> been changing the oil, been keeping air on the tires, been keeping them cleaned up. They've been maintaining them. So it's a 11, close to new, mid eighty or late 80s to mid 90s BMW 5 Series, and the, nobody knows quite who owns them. So if you're a Beamer Dreamer, yeah, you might want to be looking into some imports. Absolutely. I'd drive nice. one. Nice. Nice. Well, that's uh, that's the news for now. We gotta go. We gotta head into uh, seg two. You've got a great guest. Yes, I do. I've got somebody coming that you're gonna love. Gonna be talking to Drew Alcazar, <gasps> owner of Russo and Steel Auctions, where I'm going to be in Dude. Scottsdale. Nice. So uh, anxious to talk to Drew. That's coming up next on the Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio. Mark, one of the things that I get to do that I enjoy so very much outside of the show is being an auction analyst for Sports Car Market and American Car Collector. I've, I've read some of your uh, your layouts about the cars, and some of them are pretty funny, and they're all so very accurate. I, I, I enjoy reading them because I learn stuff, not to mention looking at cool cars. And one of the other parts that's great about that job is they send me places that are warm when the weather is crappy <laughs> here. Uh, okay, rub it in. Rub it in, Tiger. Yeah, feeling a little jelly. Uh, hey, uh, if you can find a way to get out of Kansas in January, don't you take <laughs> you it. You do it. Don't you just you sign up and you, you go do. <laughs> just do it. Get the hell out of town. Go someplace warm. And every January, I get to go to Scottsdale and hang out during auction week. And oh, Russo and Steel? Get to go to Russo <gasps> and Steel and get to see all the really cool cars. And I get to hang out, albeit quite briefly, because Drew's always so stinking busy. I get to hang out with Drew Alcazar for just a few minutes. No kidding! Say hi. And he's kind enough to give us a little bit of his time. Woohoo! Come on the show. Drew, thanks for being on Driven Radio. Absolutely. Pleasure to be with you guys. It's uh, just got off the site today. The team is doing a great job of getting things set up and getting prepared for uh, uh, next weekend. We start checking in cars this weekend, so uh, we are uh, getting ready, ready, set to go. Well, and I appreciate you being with us. I know how stinking busy you are. Well, it's, uh, it is a busy time, but you know, that's what we do. It's uh, trying to get prepared for everyone to come in. And Scottsdale is a great place to be. The weather's spectacular. I, uh, I always kind of pinch myself as I walk around in a long sleeve shirt uh, on a golf cart to uh, get in the site set up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it's uh, 30 degrees outside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to being in Scottsdale. All right. For those who don't know, Drew owns Russo and Steel. He started the company himself. It belongs to he and his wife, Josephine. Oh, what a great job. I cannot. How, how did you guys even get together to do that? I mean, and did you expect for it to become something so amazing and so huge? 
I, you know, truthfully, uh, we kind of pinch ourselves from time to time, wondering if the dream's really real ourselves. Uh, we uh, we started it 19 years ago uh, in uh, in the back room of our uh, little historical house in downtown Phoenix, and uh, we started off with uh, 75 cars on one evening. Uh, I think the very first auction we, we we sold about 10 or 12 of them. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, you learn. Yeah, no, it's uh, boy, talk about a steep learning curve. It's like you know climbing Mount Everest in g-string. But uh, we uh, one of the one of the magic combinations of entrepreneurialism is uh, insanity and tenacity. And of course, we have uh, an abundance of both, and uh, we stuck with it. And lo and behold, sneaking up on twenty years later, uh, of course, uh, Scottsdale is our flagship auction. We're we're going to be offering uh, close to eight hundred cars uh, here uh, January seventeenth uh, through the twentieth. We do that in four. Days it's uh, it's like running a marathon. On I, I'm on the auction block for almost 12 hours straight for three days, and then of course oh. Sunday I get a little bit of a respite as we end a little earlier on Sunday than the other three. But uh, you know those those uh, segue into this year where our inaugural event is going to be in Amelia Island. We're heading down there with the uh, the Concord that of course our good friend Bill Warner produces. Uh, we worked for many years to get that deal put together, so we're excited about Amelia Island second weekend of March and. Of of course, uh, our sister option that we've also been doing now for uh, 19 straight years in Monterey, California, in conjunction with Pebble Beach. So it, uh, it's, a, it's a grand experiment that uh, I'll be darned if it didn't work, but thank God, because I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> One of the things that people don't know about Drew, and uh, you don't see with other auction houses, is when they're setting up the cars you know day before the auction or a couple days before the auction and they're getting everything ready and the vendors are coming in and when everything's being set up he's everywhere you see he's not in the office he's out making sure that things are being done right you'll see him moving cars around and he's very very much involved and it's really cool to see somebody who is as hands-on as drew is now, Drew, we got a couple questions we ask everybody, and uh, I got to start in on this. Tell us about your first car. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good fun question. But uh, going back to your comment a moment ago, I, I, I appreciate that uh, when people notice, uh, you know, how hard you work. Uh, it's always nice to get the, to get that recognition. But uh, you know, truthfully, uh, it's some of it's leading by example. Of course, uh, you know, we've got a great team of folks that do it with a, a tremendous amount of heart and passion. And uh, when they see uh, you know the top of the totem pole there with a pair of gloves on, uh, you know, hustling and uh, getting things done, uh, you know, that's it. That's sort of uh, my leadership style, but uh, a, a big thank you to the team that helps put this together, because no matter how, how hard I could possibly work, there's no way for us to get that done single-handedly. But truthfully, Russo and Steele's just an extension of Josephine and I's enthusiasm. Uh, I think un- unlike any other auction on the planet, uh, we do it because we dig it. Uh, there's, you know, our, our bills fortunately got paid a long time ago. It's it's something that, you know, I, I'd be vintage racing my vintage race cars. We, we road rally our cars we we do concord elegant shows we you know we showed at pebble beach a couple years ago which was a wonderful bucket list uh, check off um it, we're we're playing with the collector cars no matter what so russo and steel is really just uh 
you know, it's it's a great thing to look back these many years. I, I remember kids that used to be in the back of car seats uh, that are now, you know, I, I get introduced to again, and, you know, they're heading off to college or graduating, and it, it's uh, those relationships that we've had for that many years was really what makes this thing work. But in terms of my very first car, it's, it's a kind of a funny story. I, 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 of course, was, was born in Colorado and uh, grew up at uh, my folks' uh, Duden Guest Ranch uh, outside of Loveland, uh, north of Denver. And uh, it's been in the family now for almost 80 years. And uh, oh, I got dropped cool. off by aliens there. <laughs> I, 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 was supposed to, I was supposed to have a funny-looking hat and pointy-toed boots. And, uh, and uh, horsepower for me uh, came, uh, came in, in cubic inches. And, of course, my folks just kind of shook their head at the kid. That was What's wrong with his boy? Cars all the time. <laughs> Uh, but I, I pestered the hell out of my dad probably since I was, I don't know, probably 10, 11, 12 years old because I was I was a fanatic about Mustangs, and I wanted a Mach 1. Different yes. kind of horse. Every Hallelujah. Every, every other word out of my mouth was Mach 1. My, my folks wouldn't know Mach 1 if it backed up, ran them over, and did it again. <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of a wa- Chinese water torture that finally, when I was a 15 and a half in the Colorado at that time, of course, you could get your provisional. Uh, finally, it was just like, oh, Jesus, just give the shit up. Mach 1 shut the hell up. So, believe it or not, my very first car was a 1970 Mach 1 oh. with a 351 Cleveland. Sure. And a, a four barrel Harley carburetor, and, and of course, this is like giving napalm, you know, to a three year old. You know, it was the coolest Torino there was because uh, I love the shape of those Mach ones in the early seventies, from seventy to seventy two. I I found a seventy one on Facebook, and it was ha oh, ha it, it needed love, but dang, it was right around there. And I'm like, no, no, stop! You got other things to do. But yeah, those early seventy Mach ones. Oh, Good time. Oh, I, I remember when I bought it, I was driving it home for the first time. I could barely see over that hood scoop, you know, that had the two turn signals <laughs> in the back of the hood scoop yep. on the 70 Mach 1. I thought that was the coolest thing that had ever ever been invented in the history of anything. And it, So anyway, needless to say, and, and you know, it was the traditional at that point in time, you know, in 5015s on the back, F7014s on the front, aluminum spots <laughs> all around, you know, the whole nine, you know, the typical, you know, Gabriel Shock, Superior Mags, the whole, you know. Did you gla- glass? Packs per chance? Did you do glass packs? Oh, how could you not? Have <laughs> yes. Oh, feeling anyway, it, loving so, it. <laughs> of course, this happens, and I am completely off the reservation for about six months. <laughs> I'm coming home at God knows what time of the morning. My folks never see me. It, it, and and at six months later, they, they say, uh, that's enough of that. Yeah, I'm so kind of wondering how many saying, of them. Wait, what? They sold it? They the, sold it? My, my, the Mach 1's going on down the road. But, by the way, we're going to give you the keys to your great-grandfather's 1963 four-door galaxy. From a Mach 1. Now, to you'd a... like to think that that, yeah, that, that was like being cast into purgatory. Okay? <laughs> I mean, I, I ruled the world in a Mach 1. What the hell am I going to do with a four-door square-back galaxy? Oh, you're going to throw some meat on it? I took and... a car. No, I promptly took a perfectly good car that had about 12,000 original miles on it because my grandfather drove it into town and back once a week. Oh, no. Took it to the auto shop and completely tore a perfectly good car apart to find out how we made it work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you tore it apart. Did it find its way back together again? 
Well, auto shop, the semester was over at Christmas time, and the damn thing still wasn't running. <laughs> I put it back together. It was all in one place, but it wouldn't run. I couldn't get the damn thing started. So we push it to a buddy of mine's house that's several blocks from the school. The entire Christmas break, we work on it. And this is Colorado, so there's about an inch of ice on the ground, snow everywhere, oh. colder than hell out there. And we're spending every waking moment trying to get this stupid car started. Finally, after a week of this crap, the neighbor comes out, and he says, how much money do you have in your pocket? I said, what the hell are you talking about? I said, I don't know. I probably got 10 bucks." He says, I'll bet you all the money in your pocket that I can have your car running in less than five minutes. Oh, no. I said, okay. you got to be kidding me. We've been freezing our ass off out here for a week and a half. <laughs> he says, get in the car and turn it over until I tell you to stop. So I jump in the car, rant, 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 and we'd gone through like half a dozen batteries by this time. Rant, 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 rant. He goes, stop. All of a sudden, I'm looking through the gap between the hood, you know, out the windshield, yeah. and I see him with the distributor cap. He pulls all the plug wires out. He plugs them all back in the distributor cap, and he says, there, now try it. Boom, it lights. I was 180 <laughs> degrees off of my <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was a tough lesson to learn. <laughs> if you could have turned the key the other direction and started it in reverse, then it would have worked all right. Nah, I don't think oh that would have flown. <laughs> we'll be well, right I, back. I can and tell you, I, I've memorized the Ford firing order now. I bet you did. I bet you did. <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute when we can learn a few more lessons from Mr. Drew. And... Uh, talk about what's going to go on in Scottsdale next week coming up on Driven Radio. And we're back with more Driven Radio Show. I'm Brett Hatfield. I'm a freelance uh, auto journalist and auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine. Senior auction analyst. You yeah. throw in that extra word. That extra word costs money. I don't need to tell anybody I'm senior. <laughs> uh, and for uh, American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com. And uh, I got a fistful of kind of cool stuff that rolls That's around. Nice. Yeah, yeah pretty. I, my co-host is Catfish Grows, 30 year, 30 year plus. 30-year plus. plus. Talk about senior. Radio veteran, <laughs> author, playwright. He's a lousy karaoke singer. I am. I suck. And but I do it with lover panache. of weird, freaky, giant American land barge stuff. You saw that one that I found on uh, Facebook has a marketplace, especially, and it's great for bottom feeders like me. And that uh, it's a 61 Chrysler yeah. New Yorker. I, hey, it, he sent me a message back. It just needs a four barrel, and it supposedly runs. Just needs a four barrel. That's all. That's I, that's easy, right? Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Let's go dig through my warehouse and see what I got laying hey, around. That's why I'm cleaning out my garage left and right. I'm going to drag some dead beast into there, and as God is my witness, I'm going to Frankenstein it back to life. I can't tell you how proud I am that you're selling off all the Renfest crap you've got. There's yeah. got to be some nerd out there with a bank account. Who, Somebody buy my sword so I can go buy another piece of metal. Who will help fund all of your old car dreams. <laughs> it could happen. Speaking of dreams... Uh, we've got the Dream Master on the show, yes. Drew Alcazar, owner of Russo and Steel Auctions, and I'm going to be there. That's my dream, and my dream is to have my feet warm again this month, because <laughs> I'm tired of walking around with cold toes. I can't wait to get to Scottsdale, plus I get to walk around and see all the really cool stuff down there. I'm looking at RussoandSteel.com, and Drew, the, the, the vehicles that you've got, and, and I'm just kind of prancing through the selection. Oh, good Lord. 
I should have had Drew sell my 61 Impala back in Monterey so I could have had money <laughs> for for the Pantera that they've got. For your next new favorite perfect one. Yeah. Oh, they've got a red Pantera. That Pantera's amazing. What, what's the deal on uh, it? You're looking at that GT5S, aren't you? Uh, yes, uh-huh. I am. It makes my gums sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Panteras, they, uh, they're they really coming back on strong, particularly the really well-restored back-to-stock and original ones. That, of course, the GT5S that we've got is, uh, is is one of the later, later build cars when they kind of got all the bugs worked out of them and they've uh, you know really had the, some of the more uh, comfy uh, amenities and accoutrements on the later cars. Uh, we're excited about that one. It's, they made very few of them there at the end of the run, of course, and uh, so this is going to be a, a rare opportunity for someone to get a really, really nice Pantera, which is that... You know, wonderful combination of sort of Italian styling with the good old reliability of the, the Ford mechanicals and uh, Panteras are really fun because of that because you can work on them. Well, and you know the early Panteras only had one true weak spot and they had Lucas Electrics in them. And oh no! And like we've said before, remember the motto of Lucas Electrics: "Be home before dark." <laughs> Prince of darkness. <laughs> yes, I hope you is. like your windows up. They better stay that way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely were. But you you guys have been sending out emails. I get a, at least one a day of just cool stuff. And you make it really, really hard for me to not tell my daughter she's going to community college. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, during the break, um, scholarship, scholarship. <laughs> Drew was telling us about it, that that point where you're like, when you're watching people, Drew, what's it like when you see that spark hit? I, you know, I it, it's, it's the funnest time, of course, is being on the auction block. And uh, as you guys know, the uh, one of the unique elements about Russo and Steel, uh, which. 20 years later is still amazing to me. It's, it's, I, I, you know, no one's ever kind of knocked us off on the auction and the round concept where you have the cars that are actually ground level and all the seating is elevated. So it creates that sort of coliseum boxing ring uh, sort of effect that you have there. It's almost a, a gladiator sports uh, type of an event with uh, the ringman on, on the floor and the, and the auctioneers up on their sky podiums. And of course, I'm there kind of as the ringleader. And uh, that, that excitement gets going. And it's it's always fun when, you know, you talk to somebody before the sale and they say, you know, look, that, that little 280SL that you've got, I'm really interested in. You ask all those questions, you answer them, and then they're on the block. And in that sort of almost perfect storm, two to three minute time, you know, they've in their head said, you know, I'm not paying a nickel over a hundred grand for that car. That's my limit. That's me taking it to the limit. I'm all the way. All of a sudden, you know, the bidding's 90, 95. We'll give me a hundred, hundred bid. He goes, yeah, I'm in at a hundred. Got it. We look over to 105. I've got it. Now who's back at 110? And you're looking at him, he's going, oh, no. <laughs> so, of course, my guy's standing there going, you're not losing this for one bid, are you? Really? One bid? You're not going to lose it? <laughs> so he's looking at the car going, oh, Jesus, right. And, then, you know, I've done my job right. My 50,000 uh, uh, sound and light system hanging over the car, it's looking better than it's ever going to. It's got this halo around it. He's looking at it going, oh, wow, I guess you're right. I mean, couldn't restore it for 100 grand. Oh, okay, I'll pay. Boom, 110. Got it. Now back 105. And then, you know, then, then it gets going when you get two passionate collectors who really, really are after something and you get that sort of mano a mano uh, going back and forth over a car on the auction block. Th- those are the moments that you live for. And, uh, you know, you can't set a, 
world record on every single car that's on the auction block, but I, I tell you, when you have that passion, and, and it could be the same passion with a couple of guys going toe to toe on a on a you know an AMC Gremlin versus a guy going toe to toe on a you know a two fifty uh, Cabriolet Ferrari. It's that same sort of passion that when it burns, it's uh, it's it's lots of fun, and you guys have been there for it. And I think that sort of visceral immersion sport that Russo and Steele does, uh, you know, and it's not for everybody. I get it. I mean, you know, there's plenty of guys that, you know, when they're buying Steve McQueen's $27 million forecan, would much rather be sitting in a chair going, may I have your bids, please? <laughs> <laughs> battle, but, you know, when I'm buying my 1965 GT350 Shelby that I've been chasing for, you know, half my life, I, I want to be with my buddies. I want to be hanging out there doing some high fives, whooping it up. Oh, yeah, the beat the chest. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> You know, Catfish, I've said this before in print, and Drew's seen it, and I've said it to him as well. His auction is like a party that somebody brought a lot of cool cars to. (laughs) It really is. It's just a ton of fun. And it's there is no other place that does an auction like that. There just isn't. Well, fun's the key word. I, you know, geez, lose. I know, you know, it's a short ride on the merry-go-round as it is. I mean, if you're doing something that's your hobby and you're not having fun doing it, I, you know, you know, I, I understand that, you know, maybe buying a multi-million dollar car in a static environment maybe is a little bit more appropriate. But, you know, you go to some of these events and it's like eating a saltine cracker with no salt and not a bottle of water in sight. You're like, Jesus, <laughs> can we get excited about it? It's supposed to be fun, isn't it? Um, you know, it's, I understand that if you're spending multiple millions, it's probably a business decision more than it is an emotional, impulsive one. But, you know, at some point in time, Jesus, uh, this is the hobby, and that's, I think, what it's about. But I think that truly has been the guiding light for Russo and Steel is that, you know, good Lord, if I'd had a board of directors I had to report to, you know, I'd have been fired as the CEO a thousand times over by now. But, <laughs> I, I, you know, my board of directors is in the mirror every single morning when I get up and, you know, I'm, I'm shaving. I look at myself, I go, you know, what, what do you want to do? You know, what, what kind of cars do you want to do? You know, it's, I look in the mirror and I say, it, this is really just an extension of what it is that our passion is. And so it's easy to put those things into it because we're doing it with that singular objective. It's not, wow, you know, how do we do this or how do we, you know, make more money or bring in more sponsors or bring in more vendors or sell more tchotchkes or, and I, and it's funny. One of the things that people ask me a lot is, well, gee, Drew, with all of this sort of visceral emotional excitement that you have with this, you know, again, I call it gladiator sports sort of almost AKA boxing ring type of thing. Well, why don't you have a TV show? Cause this thing would be great on, TV. I said, yeah, but then all of a sudden realize, you know, you're going to have the tail wagging the dog. What happens if you're the really nice little E-type that's on the auction block the moment the network wants to cut to commercial? Exactly. That ain't working out real well, because you're not really serving the core needs of your buying and selling clients. Russo and Steel is specifically designed for that objective. Now, granted, we're open to the general public. We want people to come. We want them to enjoy. I believe little fish grow to be big fish. Hey, come. I, I hear it from people all the time. They're like, well, I'm not going to come to buy a car. No, I don't care. Just come and have some fun with us, because I know you're going to get infected when you get here. You're going to get this collector car bug, and we're going to have some fun for years and years and years to come. But that really is the core essence of Russo and Steel is doing it because you dig it with that singular objective in mind. That it's not about all the Ferris wheel and the hot dog on the stick, but really let's get focused on that auction block and that car that's on the block for those clients. Drew, you've been doing this for almost 20 years. You're right at the threshold, the 20-year mark. What trends do you see that have, that have come down the road? 
Uh, you know, you've seen a lot of sort of flavor of the moment type stuff. Uh, you know, you guys remember when, you know, uh, VW microbuses and, you know, the 21 windows went bananas. The, you know, the first one, I think, uh, that, that exceeded a hundred grand was at a gooding sale and everybody went bananas and all of them came out from behind the woodshed and got restored. Uh, you saw it with Toyota FJs a couple years ago, you know, oh, that yeah. craze went on. Oh, yeah. um, you'll see these things, you know, C10 pickup trucks. Uh, this is the year of the dune buggy. I've been driving my dune buggy in Newport Beach for 15 years. <laughs> I, I've always loved dune buggies. I've got, I, I have a Manx dune buggy body that is a vintage Manx, still got the serial number attached to it, that's never been drilled, never been mounted, never was put together, and it's completely bred. I, I've actually hung it on the wall at my, at, my, at my company because it's just an ornament. But the dune buggy thing, I was on two years ago. People ask me all the time, what's, what's your favorite car, your collection? I said, well, they're all my favorite for a lot of different reasons, but one of my most fun with it, and it, some people get it, some people don't. I say, I can be in Newport Beach, pair of board shorts on, get my sunglasses, throw on some sunscreen, hit in my, in my dune buggy, and I'm having more fun than the law allows. Dune buggies are back. They're, I mean, a, an original Manx dune buggy is selling in the thirty dollars to $60,000 range, if you can believe that. That's you, one of the fun things that's going on. And we've got a couple of them at the Scottsdale auction, so, you know, hey, come scratch your itch. But truthfully, <laughs> car collecting at its core, isn't about those trends. It's not about the flavor of the moment. I mean, you know, hey, have some fun with it, get your feet wet if you want, but invest in the cars that have always been collectible. We've been talking to Drew Alcazar of Russo and Steel Auctions. Scottsdale Auction coming up next week. Lots of great stuff there. Over 800 lots on offer. You can check everything out at RussoandSteel.com. Drew, thanks so much for being with us, and I'll see you next week. Brett Catfish, we'll see you here. Thank you so much, guys. Welcome back to The Driven Radio. Uh, Mark, one of the great things about the guests we have on here is uh-huh. a lot of times we get to network with those people and find other people who are doing cool car stuff. Isn't it neat? All of a sudden, they, well, I know this person does what? They do what? Let me write that down. Hang yeah. on. Let me put that in my phone. Well, and that's how we've wound up with about half the guests we've had on the show. Oh, absolutely. And one of those guests who's guilty of doing that a lot, this guy <laughs> does this to me, was Ped Watt, who we had on a few weeks back. The photographer. Yeah. Oh, Ped's so good. He shoots amazing stuff, and then he sends me the pictures, and I say, ooh, ah, and he says, hey, you want to meet the guy who owns all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, I don't <laughs> no, want to. No, Pat, no, no, no. no Whatever no. you do, do not introduce me to that person. D- don't, don't introduce me to more people who I'm, own I'm more offended cool by the question. Yeah, more yeah. Car, car I am stuff. so triggered. I have to go back to my knitting. <laughs> so, the guy that Ped most recently introduced me to is our guest tonight. It, oh, cool. Uh, Eric owns uh, the Fuel House in Bonner Springs. The Fuel House. The Fuel House. It is a. Car storage facility and an event facility and a man cave and car condos and general gearhead hangout. And I'm going to let Eric tell you more about Brick and mortar cool. That, that is what it is. And uh, <laughs> Eric, help me with your last name because I'm going to butcher it. Radzins. Radzins. There you go. Eric, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much. But yeah, the na- even the name, it took a while to come up with it because I tried to figure out something that would embrace the idea of what this R- Rather than saying big car nerd building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 because everybody kept calling it like, oh, you're going to build a man cave, you're going to build a man cave. And I did, no, did, not really. It didn't seem fitting. 
and I never really cared for the term man cave because it makes you sound like you're some kind of a knuckle dragon troglodyte walking in and out. And- right, right. Well, and not to mention the fact that a good portion of our members and our people that hang out are female. So it's really not very man specific. I mean, He's figured out how to get chicks into it. This guy's cool. <laughs> oh, did. my God. Did I you did. just say chicks? I did. <laughs> More girls, more women, more women. women. It does. Uh, female car aficionados. Okay, I'm looking at your uh, your website. That is that is a really cool looking building. What's the deal with this? Uh, so uh, originally we were looking to find something that was about 10,000 square feet. You know, I figured start small, walk before you run. Right. Um, we didn't want to do a new build. Uh, new construction would have been easy. We could have made it anything we wanted, but it lacks soul. Yeah. Right. There's something I mean, about history, and it and it just adds that element. It, I mean, it's, that's why I like old cars. I mean, well, that's why you and Amen. I are so soulful. Yes. <laughs> got, got, got a lot of interest in this old mm-hmm. guy. But that, that really was it. We wanted to find uh, a, a vintage building that we could kind of make it our own and repurpose it. Right. And uh, I was lucky enough, my uh, partner, his name is uh, Wiley Salisbury, uh, he was riding his Harley on a ride out towards Lawrence and stumbled across this vintage mill. So this is the original flour mill in Bonner Springs from 1904. Whoa. So think about that a second. Well over 100 years. The first vehicles going there all had horses. Mm-hmm. They had horsepower, literally. And, and <laughs> like actually, two. <laughs> and actually, the best part about that story, the original one, um, uh, I guess it would be a Model T, uh-huh. is still in Bonner Springs. Um, the mayor, he still owns it. It has been in the family since day no one. No kidding. Oh, my gosh. One owner car, or one family-owned owner car. Owner car, yeah. Uh, that they actually keep it at the funeral house. So that car has probably been at our building at some point in time in its life. So, Oh, really my gosh. Very Unrestored. Cool. Yeah, well, it's mean. cool. You've got this kind of big square thing. I guess that's that was the mill part. So and then you... that, Yep, that was where – that was actually an indoor silo. So now silos are metal and right. tall. That is solid concrete, but divided into four sections. Wow. And then the milling centers and stuff used to uh, be up above, and then the grain is all gravity-fed. Okay. Uh, the whole building was coal-powered back in the day. So they're actually underneath our bar or our lounge area is one of the springs of Bonner. He's said so, a bar. There's a bar there. I bar, really like it? this place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry. So underneath the, uh, the bar. Yes, underneath the bar. <laughs> there's like the, they've still got all the, the coal power plants. Uh, so the, yes. So the, most of the machinery has been removed. There is uh, quite a bit of augers and equipment still down there. Uh, but again, it, being coal powered, you needed water to generate steam. So the the spring was built <gasps> underneath the building to supply it. So it's kind of neat that one of the Bonner Springs is under our building. Now, have you tapped that spring so that you put the water up into the bar? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Oh, we do. Dude. We do run. It is. We have fresh water straight out of the city tap. But uh, nice. Oh, the, the fuel house bottled water. That I know. Yeah. I was looking forward to that. Fuel house bar it's, water. Yeah, it's got a bit of a sulfur content. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's why you use it for a mixer. Basement yeah. friendly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, it's a gorgeous looking. Thing. Tell us about the space inside. What you've done with it, and and what can be done with it from from people like us. So. So I think all of my friends, all of my family, except for two people, when I first showed them pictures of what the inside of this building looked like, they were they were like, you're crazy. This is the worst project idea you've ever had. <laughs> uh, because the building had been, in a sense, abandoned since about 1991. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, people yeah. had owned it, but never had done any service to it. They've never fixed it up, didn't oh, do any roof. Plus, uh, people had stolen all the plumbing out of it, stole all the electrical copper, it's an abandoned building. Huge building. She's been rained in since, you know, who knows when. Basements are full of water. I'm guessing a bird or two living there. Uh, lots of birds and bats. 
Bats. bats. A lot of bats. Nice. Yep. So we actually, uh, during the construction phase, slowly relocated the bats. We kind of like moved them. You know, we didn't like kill them or anything. We nice. just kind of kept moving them out of the way. But uh, <laughs> if we tried to clean slate it, you know, we didn't uh-huh. want to change anything. We kept the original indoor, uh, the brick walls. Oh, I we love this. We exposed them. Oh, cool. Um, we brought in obviously all the uh, electrical and plumbing and just rehabbed it, man, and just wanted to make it look as cool as possible inside. So now it's an event space. It is. Event, events like what? Uh, so it started the very first, while we were still doing construction, uh, a bike club reached out to us and said that they wanted to host, you know, a, a ride spot there, uh, which was really neat because they could all drive in and literally park inside of the building. Oh, that's okay, cool. Okay, that's yeah, pretty so sweet. 17,000 square feet inside and the bar overlooks a large portion of that. 17,000 square foot bar. I'm in. Yeah. Automotive <laughs> themed. How do I not already know about this? <laughs> Where have you been all my life? <laughs> yeah, well, it, we've we've been under construction for about a year, a year and a couple months, uh-huh. and uh, we just technically opened it on November 11th. So that's why you haven't heard about it. We're trying to... It's fresh, it's new, and yet it's old and historical. Yes. And so for events like clubs, etc., what about marriages? Can you do a marriage there? Yes. Oh, seriously? Very much so. Big outdoors, wedding. Outdoors or indoors. Um, that was a... That wasn't our original plan. Don't get me wrong. Uh, our plan was to park cars in there, have fun, use the lifts, hang out, drink beer, you know, all that. But we had people say, hey, can we have our wedding here? And then we went down that road and said, absolutely, let's look into this. So what- you've got a bar. You've got an event space. You've got a really cool rehabbed uh, space with a lot of character. Tell us about all the other stuff that you do in there. Uh, well, we... Because I know there's quite a list. Right, yeah. We started reaching out, or people started reaching out to us. They loved the building and loved that we were fixing it up. And naturally, we started finding people like uh, Stockyard Detailing. Well, now we already have a detail company inside of the building. Oh, uh, cool. Yes. And then- uh, Go to the wedding and get your car detailed while you're there. Yes. I'm down. Exactly. Have a drink. <laughs> uh, which then led us to our next uh, tenant, um, Larry the Barber. So we have a, <laughs> I know, I know. Straight razor. This is a Saturday for a car guy. Dude. This I'm going to go get my car clean, get my hair cut, have a drink, Welcome maybe get hitched and go home. It, oh, my gosh. And it, it just keeps rolling. And we have, uh, we've had some alcohol-based companies that uh, reach out to us, and we'll see if we can make that work. Because we still have 40-some thousand square feet left of the building to oh rehab. Oh, my gosh. And do you rent a uh, space for people to store cars there, too? Yes, we absolutely do. Um I know there's other car storage places. Um, I looked into those, but they're really more of just a giant garage, gra- garage or, or, or a storage unit. So I really would try to make it a little bit different, or we did, in that it's a community. So all of these rental spaces are indoors, uh, sectioned off, but everybody can see each other and share stories. Oh, this thing's got a great future. Yeah. That is the Fuel House in Bonner Springs. Eric, thank you for being with us and That's telling us about this. You can find all the information at thefuelhouse.com. Eric, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Driven Radio. We'll be back next week with more of the finest car content available anywhere.